Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. here for Orsini's Uncensored Mind. I am your host, AJ Orsini, and the question mark is real today. Uh, Deceived Dave could not join us today. He's on Baby Duday. Uh, the countdown clock to my new and upcoming niece is rounding the corner. We're heading into the final month, or close to it. I think the baby's due late late August. So we're we're... We're, we're getting the Iggy. It's getting close to going home here, and we're going to have a new addition to the Orsini family. Uh, so he's uh, he's out doing uh, new dad shit. Ha! Rookies! Am I right? Uh, yeah, he's new to the game, baby. So he's out there doing all that soon-to-be dad stuff. So you're stuck with just me here tonight. So here's the deal. I didn't do, um, I didn't do the episode over... The weekend, because it was a big weekend, uh, obviously. Oh, wait, I had this thing here. It's, uh, for those of you who do not know, today is a very important day in the history of America. Yes, it is 4th of July weekend. New flash there in the 1940s. It is the 4th of July here in Independence Day. It is the 4th of July. So there's barbecue and there's... Or as we've done here in the Orsini's household, uh, Water Park City. We've been hitting all the indoor and outdoor water parks. We've been making our rounds. We were in a pool as early as today. And we've got some grilled chicken coming. It's going to be a real deal because Operation Be Less Fat is back in effect over the course of this summer. I'm going to spend this summer getting ready for beach bod season next summer. So we're going to be putting that back into fruition there I, i'm always i got my ups and downs weight loss weight gain weight loss weight gain uh so we're going to put weight loss back in the full swing here and uh that's going to be uh what we're doing here so water park we i was at a water park this weekend uh all day with that then we did the big traveling deal i uh, went to a water park in south jersey uh then i pretty much spent the whole time in south jersey so we did the water park what the hell was the name of that big kahuna did the big Kahuna Water Park down there? Uh, it used to be Sam's Oasis down in uh, what's that? The Mount Laurel kind of West Berlin 
area down there in South Jersey on Route 30, uh, excuse me, reverse that, Route 73. Uh, dope. It was a dope time, good place, good fun. Then the next day, went over to the beach in the boardwalk over on Wildwood and uh, had a great time with that. Got to play with Kota the dog. Good times. Um, that's my nephew, Kota the dog, because <laughs> my sister's a doggo mom. She's Kota's mom, so that's my uh, my little furry nephew, uh, Kota. So we got to play with him down at the beach. That was dope. And then, of course, we were at a private, excuse me, <laughs> private establishment, yes, uh, for our pool endeavor today. Uh, special privileges, of course, to the House of O. As per the huge uh, in our lifestyle, we get, to, we get the special privileges. So we got to do that today, uh, do a little pool action. Now we're calling it, uh, we're calling it an early day. Cause uh, we're back into the uh, into the shit tomorrow, and uh, so soon will be vacation time yet again in August. Uh, and then we've got some shows coming up that I'm going to promote here along the way. Um, but r- speaking of which, let's go back real quick to uh, last time I was on the show. I told everybody that we were going to be doing a show with the Upper Limits Wrestling that took place um, not this weekend, but the weekend before that. Uh, that went down, and it was a hell of a run, hell of a ride, trying to figure out what that was going to look like. Not the show itself. The show was fun, but we ran into some serious travel issues. I actually thought we were going to have tra- travel issues this weekend because of 4th of July. But I don't know what the hell it was about two weekends ago, man. This city was locked. I couldn't get the fuck out of it. Um, whenever I do these shows, I got to go get the guys in the car. I got one in Manhattan and one in Hackensack. So I got to drive from Brooklyn to Manhattan, get him, and then I got to go from Manhattan to Hackensack, and then from Hackensack to wherever we're going in Jersey. I got to turn that off now. Um, and usually it's so crazy. The most trafficy part is the Manhattan to the Hackensack. That's the usual. I, I go from Brooklyn to Manhattan. I pick up the first guy. Then I go from Manhattan, lower Manhattan. So it's like Alphabet City. So I got to go from there up the FDR Drive to the George Washington. Then I get to Hackensack. Then I get my other guy. And then we go from there. Uh, that's usually the high traffic part, going from Manhattan to Hackensack. This time around, it was still bad from Manhattan to Hackensack, but I couldn't get into fucking Brooklyn. It was just jam-packed, fucked up, which is one of the hard parts about being in the wrestling business but living in the city because no matter where I go, if I'm going north to Connecticut or Massachusetts or wherever, or if I'm going south to Jersey or Maryland or PA, which would, PA is more, let me say, statistically west of me as opposed to north or south, any town or any state that I got to go to outside of New York, regardless of what direction I'm going into, I'm slammed in traffic because that's just what this city does. It's just traffic. There's too many fucking people to begin with, and then not everybody knows how to drive. So it's an accident on every highway, every hour of every day. It's an accident here, clogging things up. It's an accident there, clogging things up. It's just the fucking worst. I hear stories that L.A. traffic is pretty bad. A few sections of Texas I'm always hearing from the boys that can be really rough. I'm always hearing people bitch about Connecticut. And I've run into it a little bit myself, but nothing 
I don't know, nothing crazy. I've never run into back-to-back. Maybe there's just me. I used to live in Connecticut when I was younger, so maybe I just don't have that much of a memory of it because I was younger, so I wasn't doing most of the driving. But for the times that I've driven through Connecticut, I've never really had traffic issues with Connecticut. I've had a few... I mean, let me rephrase. I've never had traffic issues on the 95, which I would assume would be the worst of the group. But I've had traffic on 84. I've had traffic on CT15. CT15 was always my go-to highway because it was the fastest route to everywhere I was going for some reason. But it always had the most traffic. If I was on 90, maybe because 95 has like 18 lanes to it. It, it aids itself to not being that big of a traffic headache. But I got to be honest with you. I've had more traffic on the other highways than I ever have on 95. So we ran into some big issues last week here in New York. I had a hard time getting to North Jersey. What would normally take me an hour, uh, maybe an hour, 15, hour and 20 total. Me to Manhattan, Manhattan, Hackensack, Hackensack to a show. Took almost two hours and some change. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. But we got through it. We got, th- and Then we get there to find out where one of the opening matches, too. I think we were in match two, so. Yeah, it was a pain in the ass. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't anybody's fault. We did what we had to do. We got in. Match is done. Uh, more on that match later down the line, I guess, as things get announced. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we're cooking on the booking end. Um, we've got another company in New Well, let me see. We just worked for a company in Jersey. We have a new company that we haven't had a chance to work with yet out in Long Island, deep in Long Island. So I'm looking to see how that's going to look. Um, and then we got a, a company out in Maryland that's going to be bringing us in. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing some real traveling now, putting some miles in. It's been a while since I've put some serious miles on a vehicle before. So this is going to be a lot of fun. So I can't wait for any of those uh to come through, I more importantly can't wait to announce them on the show. Um, negotiations have been very good. We're just waiting for um, some some T's to get crossed and some I's to get dotted, and we should be straight. Uh, more on, I guess, those things as we move forward. But yeah, so we got some big updates there. Um, we got a re-up. I'm paying. I'm, I'm doing all the early shit now, so we can get to the fun shit. We got to re-up on sponsorship. There's a sponsor that I had before that was on a trial basis, uh, and now they're moving forward with being a full-time sponsor of the show, and uh, maybe even the segment. We're 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 talking here, but uh, yeah, I guess. Let me see. Let me look at the schedule here. When was that supposed to start? I know it's not starting today. Uh, as much as I pushed for it, because July fourth. Ha 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 ha. Uh, July, oh, next week. All right, so next week. I'm looking at the calendar now when it was written down. Right, for about a month, starting next week, we'll be uh, introducing the sponsor to you guys. Welcoming back, I should say, the sponsor here to the show. Uh, So that's good. And then we have, like I said, my brother is doing the baby thing, so he may be in and out with that as far as the show goes because he's going to be really, really busy. He's got a lot of things on his plate. New dads usually are. So you might be hearing some different voices or some familiar voices as we move forward here throughout the show in the next coming weeks, especially during the summer since I have more available time to do things um, during the course of the summer. So that's how that's going to go. We're going to be updating the show with you guys along the way and trying to do some different things here over the course of the summer. I'm going to have some 
What is this now? Oh, yeah, I'm going. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> distractions. No, I uh, we're going to be trying to do some new things, some different things here with the show. And uh, hopefully you guys will get on board and, uh, and enjoy a few of them. We should be, we should be good. Now, I'm going to be completely 100% honest with you guys. There was some talk uh, a few weeks ago, because at the same time as my show, AEW was doing a pay-per-view as well. AEW and New Japan produced their joint pay-per-view, Forbidden Door, which we're hearing now may or may not end up being an annual event. We will see, I guess. Uh, but based on the success of this first show, which I would like to think was somewhat successful, we've heard some different numbers here and there, but I, if, we, if you listen to Tony Khan, I'm telling you, it was probably the most successful show he's ever run, because every show he does ends up becoming the fucking most successful show he's ever done, so there's no disrespect to that. Uh, so Forbidden Door happened on June 26th. I did not watch it the day of. I had a show. Uh, I did watch it intermediately throughout the week, so I did get a chance to see that whole show. And then, as I explained earlier, we were balls deep into July 4th weekend, and I think I was just getting back from the water park. We got to my sister's house where we were staying at, and we were starting to relax, and we popped on Stranger Things because Volume 2 had dropped! And so we were watching that when I got a message from someone. Now, I'm not going to reveal their name, but they sent me a text message that said, typical bullshit and then an angry face emoji. That's all that it said. And I was like, well, this has got to be wrestling related, right? Because that's all wrestling does nowadays is just make people frustrated and angry. So I immediately responded back, um, what? Uh, is happening what's uh, what's the matter what's wrong so <laughs> they tell me oh I can't believe that they would give the belt to her and now I know that it's wrestling I'm like well is it a WWE thing what's happening it's a Saturday so I'm confused and they said are you not watching the pay-per-view I <laughs> said what pay-per-view? You're speaking in riddles, man. Use your words. And, of course, he tells me, fucking money in the bank is on. <laughs> I, I'm going to be 100%. <laughs> I'm going I'm to keep it 100 with all of you. Not only did I not know that that pay-per-view was going to be on on that day. I didn't know when that pay-per-view was going to happen. I didn't know that pay-per-view was happening anytime soon, and I damn sure didn't know what was on it. No clue. Completely out of the fucking loop for Money in the Bank. Completely out of the loop. And then someone said to me, this one I will reveal because (laughs) it is funny to me, my wife said, well, are you going to watch it so that you could talk about it on your show? And I don't think I hesitated for a second when I said, no, (laughs) no, no, I'm not going to watch it. I don't give a fuck about any of it. As a matter of fact, the only thing, because I'm looking at the card now, and I looked at the card before I started recording, so I'm not coming into this completely blind, but the only match on here that I would have watched for 
was the Bianca Belair-Rhea Ripley match that I, I did hear at some point was going to happen. Then I heard that Rhea Ripley had been injured with an indisclosed injury and will not be cleared to perform at Money in the Bank. Then they had a match with three credible options and then the bullshit one. And they went with the bullshit option because, of course, and Carmella went to the pay-per-view to wrestle against Bianca Belair and my interest was completely gone. There was nothing on this pay-per-view. Bianca Belair was all I had. That's all I had. It was the only match on this card that meant anything to me. And they changed it. Now, to be fair, they didn't change it because they wanted to change it. They changed it because of an injury. And I later found out, actually, what was it, yesterday, I found out officially what that reason was. And I saw the clip of her taking the DDT and then the rope, I mean, her kicking the rope by accident in the middle of that cell and basically giving herself a go to sleep, knocking her with a concussion. So it wasn't a situation that they wanted to be in. But alas, here we are. So, and and and, and to comp- compound this, the only thing in WWE I really started caring about was the Judgment Day. And I said it on social media, I'll say it here. They removed the only part of Judgment Day that made any kind of sense, which was Edge. Replaced him with Finn Balor, which I said on this show, and I'll say it again here. Dope athlete. Wonderful performer. Doesn't fit this group and doesn't fit the purpose of the person he was replacing. He's not going to get anybody over because he barely gets himself over. He's 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 not he's not the person to do this. So they took Edge out. It was just it was Balor, Priest, and Rhea. Rhea knees herself in the face by accident, so she's out. And Priest and Balor are not even on this program. So there was nothing on here that I wanted to see. If you're asking me, well, at least there's the money in the bank ladder matches, right? You want to see who wins it? No, I don't. And here's why. I'm over, and I've said it before, and I sound like a broken record. I'll say it again. I'm over multi-man ladder matches. I'm done. I'm over it. And that's every version of it. I don't want to see TLC matches. I don't want to see ladder match. Nothing. I'm over it. I'm over all of them. They mean nothing. It's the same spots over and over. Rinse and repeat. Remix from time to time. A spot, a Tower of Doom spot, a spot where the ladder breaks in half, a spot for a table. Someone goes from the ladder to the floor. Blah, 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 blah. Same bullshit. No no rhyme or reason, just a cavalcade of characters selected at fucking random with no connection at all to each other whatsoever. Look at the look at the first match here. Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans, Raquel Rodriguez, and Shotzi. Immediately lost me at Shotzi. Lacey Evans don't care for. Liv Morgan, she's the winner of this match, by the way. Liv Morgan, I don't really care. Alexa Bliss, I don't know what's happening with that. Asuka's been around for a while. She's good, but it is what it is. Becky Lynch is the one. Doesn't even fit in this. She's so far ahead of everyone in this match. It's not even funny. And it's... 
She's in a real bad spot here because she's way bigger than everybody else and there's no one to play with because no one else comes close. The one saving grace in this entire match. And it's the saying for the men. Theory won the, the men's Money in the Bank. We got Theory, Drew McIntyre, Mad Cat Moss, Omos, Riddle, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, and Sheamus. That's it. That's your that's your fucking matches. None of these things make any sense. There's no logic behind any of them. It's just a bunch of people who are in uh, positions in the company. They've got some top guys. They've got some middle card guys, and they're all in there just doing whatever it is they fucking do. And if you're saying, hey, at least you're going to watch the ladder matches to see who wins, what does it matter who wins? What does it matter? I saw a Facebook post earlier where somebody was complaining. Man, I wish I, I would have kept that up. But uh, they, they were complaining about the fact that fans complain that there's no new stars, that the WWE can't make new stars. You know, oh, the WWE can't make new stars. And then the fans will bitch about the fact that Theory won and the fact that, uh, that Liv Morgan won. Well, what do you want? You know, you're saying they can't make any new stars. They're trying to make new stars, and you don't like the new stars, so what do you want them to do? I want them to make stars. That's what the fans are asking for. If the fans go, WWE can't make new stars, and your response is, well, they made Liv Morgan in theory win money in the bank. What does any of that matter at all to anything? Where are you confused? We ask for stars. Winning money in the bank does not make you a star anymore. It doesn't mean nearly as close to what it meant years ago. Money in the bank was a unique concept when it was first discovered or first invented because when you won money in the bank, that fast-tracked you. That fast-tracked you. That moved you into a higher, a higher echelon of level there. And there's very few people that that worked for. There are a lot of people who cashed in money in the bank and it didn't do shit for them. And then there's a lot of people that were kind of already in that position. Money in the bank just moved it up a little bit. And that's what you kind of hope for. You take a guy who's really that close. He, he's, he's moving up the ladder. He's getting respect from the audience. He just needs a little something extra. And there it is. And that would be the... That would be the, the, the reason you would institute a money in the bank. Because everybody else, all the other challengers to world championships, they get built to be in those positions. You win a mid-card title. You program with somebody along the way. You show you could do what you got to do. It's months at a time. You win a few matches. Get the crowd behind you. You get put into a title match, and there's, and there's your push. Money in the Bank was a concept that would shortcut that, that would fast-track you straight to the top. But you don't need Money in the Bank to get fast-tracked anymore. That's what WWE does on a weekly basis now. You could be opening up Raw this week, main eventing Raw next week, and back to being somewhere in the middle of the following. It all is interchangeable bullshit now. That's why these Money in the Bank match winners, it doesn't matter. 
Real quick, real quick. Who was last year's two winners? Tell me. You don't fucking remember. Who won the men's la- uh, money in the bank last year? Who won the female one last year? Just last year. You don't remember. Oh, you do remember? Okay, give you 2013's winner and loser. Excuse me, winner. No idea? Oh, okay. It's all interchangeable bullshit. It doesn't matter. In the beginning of this, we were all able to keep track of it because they were being used in that way. Not just winning money in the bank, winning a championship, and then disappearing off the face of the earth. They became, they would win money in the bank, they cashed in money in the bank, they became top guys. That's why it meant something the first time some guy won it. But now you win money in the bank, you could win money in the bank and go to WrestleMania and cash in and win the championship at WrestleMania and still be the opening match or the pre-show match for SummerSlam. It's all interchangeable bullshit. It does not change your life. You just become another one of the people that won a briefcase and that was it. means nothing. Not because I don't feel that it does, but because that's not how it's presented to me or to you. And that is what's important. That's the difference. And people say, well, the fans want them to make new stars. Well, how do you expect them to make new stars without putting people over? And that's how you do it. You do it and you put them over in a way that these fans can take the ride. You're not going to get a guy or a girl over in 2022 simply by telling the audience they're over. Because it's not going to work. This guy's great. Theory is great. He's 24 years old. He's fantastic. He's got all the tools. Yes, you see a future, future potential in him. You'd have to be blind not to see future potential and theory. But not today. Not within a year's time because his contract is good for a year. If he wins the WWE, Universal, whatever the fuck it's called now, in the next few months, will it move the meter at all? No. There are people who are watching this program who don't know who Theory is. They see him. They do. They get it. The selfie deal that he's McMahon's protege or whatever. But they haven't taken the ride with him. They haven't taken the bumps and the bruises. And they haven't gone through the ups and downs with Theory. They're not relating to him. They don't equate him as a close member of the family. They haven't taken the ride. That's how you get over when the fans take the ride, if you jip them of the ride, not only will they not be over in a positive way, but you'll turn this audience against them. Now, I get it. Theory is a heel, but that's a different type of heat. And we're in 2022, and there are different types of heat now. They're not going to hate Theory for winning money in the bank to the point where they're going to watch every week to see him get his ass kicked. They're going to see Theory 1 and go, look, see, a bunch of bullshit, and turn it off. That's not the kind of storytelling that you want. They did that with Lesnar. They almost ruined an important draw for them when they did. Because all people do is complain all the time. Lesnar's in, Lesnar's out, Lesnar's in, Lesnar's out. And then he wins money in the bank, and there was like, Jesus fucking Christ, how... That was, to me, when the shark, when they jumped over the shark. When Lesnar won money in the bank, this thing officially meant nothing. This is a joke. It's a joke gimmick match that they use from time to time 
to hopefully right themselves out of some holes that they put themselves throughout the year. That's it. It's becoming the same joke for the Royal Rumble. It's becoming, they just did a talk show segment that, yes, led into a match, but it was, it was originally booked as a talk show segment to main event WrestleMania. This is all interchangeable bullshit now, and that's why nobody cares. Bobby Lashley defeated Theory earlier on in that show to win the United States Championship. And then in the main event, when the men came out, they added Theory at the last minute. I'm assuming, I didn't see it, so I'm assuming McMahon pulled some sort of whatever to get him in the match, and he's in the match now, and then he ends up winning. Ha 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 ha, he's super over. Bianca Belair, like I mentioned, was supposed to wrestle, wrestle Rhea Ripley. She doesn't. She gets Carmella, and of course she beats Carmella, because why the fuck would she not? The Usos defend the tag titles against the Street Profits for the umpteenth time. Usos win and then retain for the umpteenth time. And this is part of the problem with the Usos. Not the Usos, excuse me. This is part of the problem. Not This is a bigger problem than just the bloodline, but this is part of the problem in WWE. Their version of protection is they're just going to roll over everybody. Did anybody in their fucking right mind, those two matches back-to-back, Anybody in their right mind sit here and think that Bianca or the Usos were not going to retain those titles? Anything short of an active god or a lightning bolt to the top of one of their heads is not going to stop them from retaining the championship. There's no variety. There's no reason to believe this could go either way. You could look at the card and go, yep, this is pretty much done. I'm good. Ronda Rousey defended the SmackDown Women's Championship against Natalia. To which Ronda retained against Natalia, and then Morgan would cash in the same night she won it and defeat Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This cash in, because I remember I didn't see this pay per view, and it only has seven matches listed. This cash in was considered the sixth match of the night, which means they only had six matches booked for a three hour show. But Raw has 37 segments all blown into a three-hour show. I don't get it. But it's Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. Liv Morgan would win, is going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. So two Money in the Bank ladder matches, a United States Championship match, a women's both women's championships are on the line, and the tag titles. This is Night of Champions at Money in the Bank. And this is why... Nothing the WWE means anything. Everyone is a champion, and they'll lose the championship to somebody, and then they'll win it back from that person and back and forth, passing the baton, and none of it means a fucking thing. And then we had angles started on this show between Happy Corbin and Pat McAfee and Cena's been teasing shit with Theory. I saw the projected card so far for SummerSlam. Cena and Theory. McAfee and Corbin. Roman and Lesnar. Falls count anywhere. Who's watching this? Who is this for? I've been watching SummerSlam. I've been watching wrestling. I've been watching the WWE since the 80s. 
I watch it every year, including last year and the year before that. So I don't want to hear, well, maybe maybe it's just not for people your age because I've been enjoying SummerSlam for a while now. I attended SummerSlam 2015. This is not a, you might be getting a little old because I'll tell you what, if the goal or the target audience is younger people, they're not watching it either. This has become a niche product all over again. And it's not looking like it's going to get any better. Now, I know people are looking at the Vince McMahon thing and thinking to themselves, well, maybe that's what's going to make it better. Vince McMahon out of the way. Triple H has been rumored he's probably heading back to NXT very soon. Maybe that could help the company. A fresh set of eyes on things, some new management, some new leadership. But like I said a few weeks ago when my brother was here, when we were talking, actually, was it last week? I think, yeah, I think it was me, Dave, and Pombo. Where I said then, and I still stand by it, if we lose Vince, we lose the WWE. They're going to sell it. They're going to sell it. No one, when Vince McMahon first started WWE, he did everything himself. He was a fucking maniac to the point where now, as 2022 is here, it's a publicly traded company. It's a billion-dollar industry, and he's still doing most of it by himself. No one is that fanatical. No one is that obsessed. Not even the fucking McMahons that came after him. No one wants to spend 24 hours a day, every fucking day, operating this fucking company the way that he does. It's going to be... It's going When Vince is gone, it's going to turn into every other company where there's brackets of leadership all the way through, and I guarantee you none of them will care about the wrestling aspect. So it'll be a completely different place, and then eventually, in my opinion, it'll just be fucking gone. That's it. The company will cease to exist. The library will head over to Disney or NBC or whoever the fuck wants it, and they'll just continue to run it as part of their content packages, and that'll be it. And WWE will be gone. And we'll have nothing to complain about or bitch about anymore except for the next fad that comes through. That's a bleak outlook, but what can be different? We just celebrated on Raw the 20th anniversary of John Cena. And he came through that curtain and got a monstrous response from every individual in that building. It was not mixed. It was not... Uh, John Cena sucks, John Cena sucks. There was none of that. They all stood and applauded and paid respects. Do you know why? Because they didn't realize what they had until it was gone. Because there, we haven't gotten a guy like him since. No one comes close. Not even Roman. Nobody. Nobody in this company currently comes close to anything it's John and John's era and every era before it was able to do. Every generation adapted to the times. Bruno did it one way. Hulk came in, he couldn't do it the way Bruno did. He had to do it another way and it worked. After Hogan, what was the what what the steroid thing, right? So like Brett. Brett couldn't do it Hulk's way. Had to do it another way. Sean, Stone Cold, The Rock, you go down the line, there's a macho man in there somewhere. 
every top guy just along the way, every generational individual, there always had to be someone who just did it differently than the last guy, but made that work and kept business up. There's no guy like that now. Roman is as close as you're going to get, but the problem with Roman is that Roman is very good, and Roman is very over. But Roman, as shiny a choo-choo train as Roman Reigns is, if you don't have coal that you could put into the furnace to keep that bitch going, it ain't going to go nowhere. They're doing promos now on TV of Roman saying, I've beaten everybody, I've beaten them all, and he's fucking right. There is no one left. He's beaten everybody. He's run through every single individual he can. And there is no one coming down the pike that's even remotely just prepared. Theory won the briefcase. Do you think for one second as a character or as a human being, Roman is worried at all about Theory cashing in anything? No. And why the fuck would he be? He's like 5,000-0 in the last three or four years. Roman Reigns hasn't lost a match since we came back. Not even since we came back. Because we weren't fully all the way back when he did this thing. Since the fucking pandemic or even even slightly before that. He hasn't, he, he hasn't lost a fucking match. Not one. Untouchable. Just money in the bank's not going to change that. It just isn't. Unless that's the setup, you got to tell me at SummerSlam that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar in a last man standing match that even if Roman was to somehow pull it off again, you'd think he'd get the shit kicked out of him in the process. And what, Theory cashes in at SummerSlam, beats Reigns or, or Lesnar for the championship? That's going to help this company? That's going to pull it out of his doldrums. Theory pulling off a sneaky win. I don't know about that. That sounds like a hard pill to swallow, to be honest with you. So, no, I have no intentions of watching this pay-per-view. This pay-per-view means nothing. This pay-per-view does nothing for anyone. The staging looks the same. Nothing stands out to anything. Remember back in the day when we used to have different WrestleMania setups and even Backlash. Remember when Backlash had like those moving hooks for whatever reason? It was like a real dangerous. I think Jeff like used one of the hooks once for a spot. I remember uh, even further back than that. What was that? Over the Edge had those cars, like those compacted cars or whatever. They used we used to have sets. WCW with the big pumpkin and the Halloween Havoc look and King of the Ring had those doors that the gestures would open and the wrestlers would walk through. SummerSlam, Highway to Hell, the doorway was a fucking actual, like, a gate that opened up from, like, you would come through the gate of hell or some shit. There was creativity in wrestling at some point. There was there was an extreme want to be different from one another. And now it's different. Now, now WWE has completely sanitized itself. Everyone looks the same. Everyone wrestles the same. Every set looks the same. I can't tell the difference between main event and WrestleMania. I can't. And every company wants to be WWE. So now we have even independent companies that that try to mimic WWE in every way. And AEW does its own thing. But a, the, be honest with yourself, AEW doesn't know what it's doing either. 
over time, maybe they'll get a better grasp of it. But you get the vibe that they're f- flying by the seat of their pants sometimes. How many battle royals have they fucking announced in the last year? We'll have a battle royal to determine who's going to fight John Moxley. And then after John Moxley beats the shit out of whoever won the Royal Rumble. Because why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't John Moxley win a match against a guy who just wrestled 29 other fucking guys earlier that night? They will have Moxley and Tanahashi compete in a one-on-one match. And after that, when Moxley goes over on that, we'll have another battle royal to determine who else Moxley's going to beat up after wrestling in a battle royal. You get the chance, you get the opinion that sometimes some of this stuff's off the top of the head. So let's skip over to Forbidden Door for just a second. Because I'm not going to go too in-depth on a lot of this shit because, to be honest with you, there's not really much to go in-depth on. I said before this pay-per-view began, I, we, we were talking about it, me and my brother, we kind of went over this card just a little bit. There wasn't a fucking thing on this card we were excited about except for maybe like two or three things. And we just thought this was going to be, hands down, one of the worst pay-per-views ever. Bar of expectation was extremely low because a lot of the people that are on this show, you just you don't know who any of these people are. And they're never explained to you. You're just supposed to know. And I'm one of those people. I'll Google people. I'll YouTube people. I'll do the research. I got no problem. But even if you do that without taking the ride, without experiencing them, you don't really know. So I'm going to skip the pre-show matches because I didn't see them because I don't have time. I just wanted to watch the pay-per-view. They're on YouTube if you want to go check them out. And to be fair, I'll just, here we go, uh, Bashaman, which is Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, defeated the factory of Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. Lance Archer defeated Nick Comorato. I don't even know why that was a match on the pre-show. Swerve in Our Glory, Keith Lee and Strickland defeated Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemura. And then Max Caster, The Gun Club, and Bowens, I think, is still in a wheelchair because of his injury. So what's that? Eight-man? Billy took his place against some of the dojo guys, and they beat the dojo guys. Yay for them. So we're on the main card. Okay? And the show opens with the trios match of Suzuki and uh, Jericho and Guevara against Kingston, Shata Umino, and Wheeler Yuta. Which uh, Suzuki and the Sex Gods would win that matchup. Decent match. I enjoyed it. 18 minutes, 58 seconds. Nine, almost 19 minutes, wall to wall action. It is what it is. This is the match you're going to get from them. The winning team receives the man advantage for Blood and Guts, which I did not see because, again, I do not care. Multi man cage match. War games without it being war. It, it's, I don't care. So I we move on to the next thing. After the three-way winner-take-all tag team match, this is one of the matches that my brother and I said we were interested in watching because of the FTR deal. But we also said this would, that this would have been a much better match if we would have gotten rid of one of these teams, instead of doing a triple threat, just doing a tag-on-tag for all the marbles, all the belts, this would have been an even better match. That's what we predicted. I'm going to stand by that and say that it's correct. However, I'm going to change (laughs) 
my prediction. Now, excuse me, not my, not, I'm going to change my prediction. I'm going to change, now that I've seen the match happen, I'm going to change something that I said before. I said, and he said it too, that this match having three teams kills it. We, it would be a lot better if this was just two-on-two two for both belts. Now, Great Khan and Jeff Cobb, who all represent United Empire, they are the IWGP Tag Team Champions. So they kind of have to be in this match for it to be uh, all or nothing, right? Winner take all. But based on how this match went and looked, if this, F- if this would have been FTR versus Rapungi Vice, this would have been a better match. I said I would have kept United Empire in there against FTR. I had to remove Rapungi Vice. There's no need. But based on the way this match went, I probably would have just rather watched FTR and Rapungi Vice. United Empire didn't do bad. Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb, they did fantastic. Jeff Cobb is a fucking monster. I'm not big on Great O'Connor. I don't get that. I don't understand that. But Jeff Cobb, I get it. And I love the storytelling of Dax getting that shoulder injury and them walking him to the back. And Cash going out there and fighting his ass off. And Dash coming back the conquering hero. Uh, start throwing people around. Great storytelling with that. I thought they really got the emotion of the audience into things. They were really biting on it. Hot crowd all night. I'll say this too. I should have said this at the beginning. Chicago is the best wrestling city in the United States. Period. Bar none. I'm done having the conversation. Yes, I live in New York. Yes, I'm from New York. New York is garbage. It's not even top five. Chicago is number one. Chicago is the best wrestling town in the United States. I now am no longer shocked that we keep finding ourselves, or at least these pay-per-views keep winding up in Chicago because they're just the best crowd. They bite on everything. They boo you if they need to boo you. They cheer you if they need to cheer you. That's up for debate as to which one you'll get. But they make noise. The audience got shit over on this card that I don't think, if you had this card anywhere else in the world, Besides maybe Japan. No. Actually, I would include Japan in this. Because Japan's not traditionally a loud crowd. You take this card and put this card anywhere. And I don't think the reaction from the fans is the same. And I think the fan reaction is what made these matches, some of these matches, even better. And I think the fan reaction really helped this one. Because they really bit on the idea that Dax was hurt. So when he came back, he started wrestling like a wild man. And they were fucking firing up right along with them. They bought it. They were into it. It was a dope match. For a minute there, I was going to say that it was going to be my match of the night. But we had one that was maybe slightly a little better. And after that, we had our four-way for the to crown our first ever AEW All-Atlantic Championship in a fatal four-way matchup. Pac, or Pac, he's a... Bastard defeated Clark Connors, Miro, and Malachi Black by submission. Uh, my takeaway from this match was actually during the intros when Miro was making his intro, uh, his introduction, or was he coming to the ring basically? And the announcers were talking about uh, Miro, which, by the way, I'm going to sidetrack again. The commentary saved this show for me. Kevin Kelly and Taz starting off this program and then intermediately bringing in different voices. Shivani toward the end, JR toward the end, but we got Caprice Coleman in there. 
We got uh, uh, Excalibur in there. There was different voices throughout the show. And I got to be honest with you, Kevin Kelly, boy, let me tell you, if I'm a commentator on AEW's team, and I'm talking about all of them, even JR, I I would not I I would not have been happy to hear that Kevin Kelly was going to be on commentary that night, because Kevin Kelly is a fucking beast. That is pound for pound one of the best fucking commentators I've ever heard. It's Kevin Kelly. He sells shit beautifully. He paints pictures with his words, and he's the play-by-play. He is awesome. He's amazing, and I got to hear him almost all night. And I got to tell you, it helped the pay-per-view to hear him explain shit because he thinks of shit. He says shit these other motherfuckers don't even comprehend or can think of. And and I and, and I'm, I'm giving all this love to Kevin Kelly, but I think it was Excalibur who used the line during the the Miro entrance that the reason Miro had been gone for so long is because when he had lost the championship, that he had shamed his god, and his god cursed him with a with a weak neck, <laughs> and that's why that's why he was injured because he had a he had a weak neck. His god had smited him and punished him. And giving him a weak neck, and that's why he was gone. But now he's back, and he he's trying to dethrone God from his heavenly place. It's awesome. All this shit is great. Um, but here was a here was a decision that I didn't think they would go with because every time they're in this position, they never go with it. Every ever from the moment AEW began, that I'll take you back to Jacksonville when they made the announcement. Pac has been a part of this company since day one, and. It was rumored pretty heavy early on before they even crowned a champion or even did anything to decide who would be in contention of said championship. There was a lot of talk that Pac would be either the first or, at some point, AEW World's champion. He was that highly regarded, not just by fans, but by AEW personnel, that he was going to be one of the top guys and he was going to be the champion at some point. And... They ended up going a different direction for a small amount of time. And then the pandemic hit and his travel became an issue. And it was a lot of stuff going on. But I do know that they held him in high regard. And he's had championship matches in the past in different situations. And he's never, just never pulled the trigger on it. Well, they pulled it here. And uh, Pac goes on to win the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Curious to see what they do from here with him. Uh, a lot of people talked up this Clark Connors guy. Uh, I'm not overly impressed by the things that I saw, but I will say this. I saw enough to want to see more of him. I want to see what more he can do. I think in a one-on-one setting, I'd, I'd get a chance to really appreciate Clark Connors in his, in his best. This four-way was a four-way, so it's all over the place, but... I definitely saw a lot of more personality than I thought I would. I'd never heard of this guy before. So I'm curious to see what we can get out of him. Uh, I might have to start. I know people are going to hear this and they go, well, if you watch New Japan, you'll see a whole lot of Clark Connors. I'm not watching New Japan. I've tried in the past. It doesn't stick. It doesn't stay. So I'm not going to lie to myself and I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that, yeah, I'm going to be paying more attention to New Japan. There was nothing New Japan could do on this paper that was going to make me 
walk away from my computer and go, man, I need to watch more New Japan. If I, if I haven't, it hasn't happened yet. It ain't going to happen now. When it In the 90s when I was growing up and I got my first Masawa versus Kawada match or my Kobashi versus Masawa or any of those guys from back in the day, if that didn't do it, it ain't going to be these new guys to get my attention to Japan. So that's not going to happen. Dudes with Attitudes was a hilarious name for this group. I know that it's a play on Sting back in the day. But Darby Allen, Sting, and Shingo, it was supposed to be an eight-man. Didn't happen that way. But that's all right. We still got the Bullet Club of El Phantasmo and the Young Bucks, which was hilarious. The Young Bucks are in the elite. Then their group became the Undisputed Elite, and now the Jacksons have returned to Bullet Club? I'm not sure how that works. They came out with the entrance. They came out with the old Bullet Club gear. But I don't think they're part of Bullet Club anymore, right? How does that work? Because, A, I don't keep up with New Japan. B, I don't really give a fuck about the Bullet Club. I never have. I never understood. I never understood how they got so big in the first place. But I can acknowledge that they did. And that's why I'm curious how this works. And I know that my curiosity and my confusion will never be cleared up. Because they're never going to discuss why it works. We're just supposed to accept it. They're the Young Bucks. They used to be in the Bullet Club. They're not anymore, but tonight we're going to get a chance to wear some old gear that we haven't had a chance to wear in a while, and we'll have some fun. And that's what this match was. That was it. If if you've never seen any of the Super Junior attorneys, if you've never flashed through Wrestle Kingdoms and you don't know who El Phantasmo is, that's the, he's a really talented light heavyweight. That's it. He had a I think he had a light-up jacket, too, at one point. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. I've seen his matches in the past. He's a a, a good wrestler. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's what he is. Uh, okay, so moving on. <laughs> the AEW World's Women's Championship. Uh, my brother had a problem with this match until he found out there were no women in New Japan. So uh, this actually made more sense. Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Uh, they got they 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 got together and put together a nice little package deal for that. Decent wrestling match. Everything went pretty good, I thought. But it is what it is. Thunder Rosa retains. We're moving on. This was it. Singles match for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. I was so confused because before before the Osprey match, they did a promo. With Robinson, Juice Robinson, and Switchblade, Shivani was there, and they did a promo, and Juice has the U.S. title with him, and he did the whole promo like he was the champion, and I was confused, because he did such a good job of talking like he was the champion that I had bought into the idea that he was the champion. And I thought, well, maybe this is a number one contenders match, and I just wasn't really paying attention. And then as the match progressed, not right away, 
as the match progressed, we find out that Will's actually the champion. He just had his belt stolen, and they, for some reason, haven't regained that title belt back. Juice is clearly in the building, and he's got the belt, and yet a stable of individuals can't seem to get the belt back, which is weird. So I was confused for a little bit, but then, you know, we got into the match, and it is what it is. It got cleared up. But Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy. Now, the rumor mill, I told my brother this, that is that Will Ospreay was probably originally scheduled to compete against Andrade. And my brother and I both said, well, that would have been a better match. There's a lot of matches that could have been done on this pay-per-view with Osprey that would have been a better match. But having said that, I had a low bar. So I was saying, yeah, him and Andrade would be better. Him and anybody would be better. I said that under the pretense that I thought him and Cassidy would be bad. Well, I don't think the match was actually that bad. I actually thought the match was pretty decent. Problem is, is it's ruined for me because I know what we could have had. As good of a match as it looked, and as fun of a match as it became, I can't help but be bothered by the fact that it's Will Ospreay and I could have got something better. And maybe we will, down the line. But this match was what it was. And my brother was the one who stated that whoever that mystery opponent was for Zack Sabre, I probably will sit here and say that I would have probably have wanted to see that match of the mystery person against Osprey, whoever it was, it would have been better. And now that we know that it was Claudio Castagnoli, you're damn right it would have been a better match. <laughs> Claudio versus Osprey would have clearly been a better match than fucking Osprey and Cassidy. And I'm not trying to sit here and shit on Cassidy. I think it was a good match and he did a great job. But it isn't the match that we could have got from Osprey. Which now takes me to Claudio Casignoli and Zack Sabre Jr. Now, I said it when we talked about the show originally that Zack Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson is not a dream match for me at all. And I know that it was for some people, and that's fine. You're not going to hear me complain about that. That's great. If, it's, if it was a dream match for you, fantastic. It wasn't for me. For me, my dream match was very simply for Brian Danielson. was Brian Danielson and Okada. And we weren't going to get that now that I'm hearing from different people. We were never going to get that. That was never even on the table, which it is what it is. I said months ago when they announced it, if we're not going to do Danielson versus Okada, what's the point? But uh, Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., not bad. So Danielson comes out, does the big promo. He can't make it. I'm, I'm going to have a substitute, someone to take my place. And he chose Claudio Castagnoli, who got a monster reaction. And he went in there with Zack Sabre Jr., and they had a killer match. This was my match of the night. Actually, I enjoyed this match more than any other one. And I don't normally enjoy Zack Sabre Jr. matches, but I enjoyed this one. And and not because it was all Claudio. I enjoyed Zack in this match as well. I thought both of them had pretty good chemistry. I'm not entirely sure the two of them have a history together. I don't know what their history is with one another. But I know this was good. And what was even better 
18 minutes, 26 seconds. They gave this guy, these guys some time, and they did some stuff. You can tell the WWE had an effect on Claudio's style, but you can also see that Claudio didn't completely forget what made him who he was. It was a nice blend of some of that stiff, European-style, old-school Claudio, but then the audience reaction and the interplay and just playing with the audience, he became a better... He was always a great wrestler, but he became a better performer, and you can tell. There was a difference in him, and he felt good, and there was no one breathing down his neck, and he was able to just go out there and perform and have fun, and I think that made for a better match. So this was my match of the night right here. This was dope. I This was my favorite match. And then we got the four-way, which was next. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship on the line, Jay White. Uh, the Switchblade, he retains his championship. Uh, against Hangman Adam Page, Okada, and uh, Adam Cole. And uh, this was a pretty good match, too. Got really into it. But again, it's a four-way, so it's not what we could have had. And that ruins me. I'm sorry, it does. People say, don't focus on what you could have had. Be grateful for what you did have. Well, I don't operate that way. If I know I could have had something way better than what I got, it will affect the thing that I got. Duh. I don't know why that, you know, some people operate differently than me. It is what it is. If I had a pepperoni pizza, and pepperoni pizza is one of my favorite things to eat, but I had something better on the horizon, I just didn't get my hands on it, and I had to settle for a pizza, it's going to affect that pizza, I promise you. I could have had something better, damn it. And that's why, you know, it is what it is. The four-way was a really good match, uh, but it wasn't what I think... Not only I wanted, but to be honest, let's be fair. I don't think it was what the people wanted either. They went crazy for Okada. He was super over. I don't get the sense that Adam Cole is nearly as over as when he came in. Oh, my God, that reaction. And, again, this is Chicago. Same thing with Adam Pierce. Uh, Adam Pierce, excuse me, Adam Page. I actually felt like Okada and White were more over than Page and Cole, and this is their company in their town. So that's saying right there all that needs to be said. And then our interim AEW World Championship match, again, tainted by what could have been. Punk and Tanahashi was a better, a better match in my book than what we got and what we could have had, even in the most highest of potential matchups. I know Dave was huge on this match, Moxley and Tanahashi. Uh, he really felt like this was the better of the two matches. I felt like Punk was the better opponent. I don't know how Dave feels about it. We'll talk about it with him when he comes back. But I feel vindicated in this because this match wasn't, I mean, this match wasn't terrible at all. This wasn't a bad match. But Jesus Christ, I, I can't help but watch Moxley and Tanahashi do this and go, man, Punk. Punk would have killed this. And it does take me out of it a little bit. But John Moxley walks away with the W, walks away with the win, possibly because there was no way they were going to have Tanahashi coming back and forth between the states and Japan. So this does potentially set up a unification bout between Moxley and Punk whenever Punk is healthy and ready to go. And I'm actually excited by the prospect of a Punk or a, uh, a Punk or a Moxley matchup because... We have technically been down this road before with Dean and with uh, Punk in the past. 
but not the way that I think either one of them would have wanted to have done it. And I think a program between Moxley and Punk could be a much bigger deal than WWE ever made it. This this could be a humongous thing, uh, especially with the promo ability of these two guys and the program, the kind of program they could do together. Uh, I'm actually really interested in that matchup, that potential matchup, I should say. I'm really interested in that. So that's your Forbidden Door card right there. Again, I told you I'm not going to go too in-depth because it is what it is. These matches are what they are. There's not a ton of story between them. There's not a ton that you can grab onto and go, yes, this is going to be fantastic because X, Y, Z. It's these. This is the kind of card you give people who just like the car crash variation of wrestling, which is just the bumps, the bruises, the falls, and that's it. For people who come just solely for the bumps and solely for the oohs and the ahs, this card is perfect for them. For old school fans like myself who need a little bit of story and something relatable to grab onto, this card doesn't really do anything for you. So you have to watch the matches for what they are. Physically, on a physical standpoint, these matches are fantastic. I don't think there was really one at all during the course of this show that was really god awful. They're all really either they're either really good or great matches. But that's it. Really good or great matches. It's the same thing over and over and over. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm losing my fandom because that's just not what it is. I'm going to love this till I die, but this this cocaine, what do they say, over time, right? The drugs don't hit the same anymore. I, I need a little bit more in my veins than this. You, 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 instead of giving me stronger shit, you weaken that shit. You're weakening that shit. I'm going to close with this because I, I said this earlier to a buddy of mine and they took great offense to it, but I... And I was going to put it on social media, but someone told me, he said, you know what? 80 million people are going to fucking misinterpret what you're trying to say. So you might as well just verbally say it on the show, because at least that way you can explain it. They can get your tone of things, and people will understand it better. But I had made the comment earlier. I said, man, we need more arrogant people in this business. Because this, everybody means the same thing. All this inclusive, we're all a family together, kumbaya bullshit is making for some pretty lame and boring fucking wrestling. Wrestling today is just fucking boring. There's no other way to really fucking describe it. It's all boring shit. There's not, and it's not just the booking. You can sit here and point at people who are putting pen to paper and say, well, they got to put them in a position to succeed. There's not a lot of personalities. That's why I said we need more arrogant people in the fucking industry. Because there's not a whole lot of personality. If you're going to be all-inclusive to people... That's fine. I, I'm not sitting here saying that there's a particular group or a ter- particular type of person who shouldn't be in the industry. You could be any color. You could be any shape. You could be any size you want to be. Just be good. That's the only thing that's killing me. When you say let everybody in, you fucking mean it. You're letting literally everyone in, even the garbards guys. You're letting people in with no talent. No ability, no skill set, no nothing. It's just people off the street going, I would love to be a wrestler. Well, we're all inclusive. Come on in. What? We're all inclusive. Come on in. Everybody gets a chance. Everybody gets a shot. Even the ones who can't do this. 
I'm sorry. There's a lot of people in this industry that cannot do it. And to be fair, it's every industry. This isn't just a situation of me saying this uh, because it's a wrestling thing. There are people who are cops who shouldn't be cops. There are people who are doctors who shouldn't be doctors. There are people who are cab drivers who shouldn't be fucking cab drivers. This is not a wrestling issue. This is an everywhere issue. It's the only negative, it's the only con to everybody's allowed to do everything that they want to do every time they want to do it ever of all time. If everyone is special, nobody's special. And that's why this industry is suffering. There are people who are in the WWE that have talent and personality and they're not allowed to show it. And then there are people in AEW who have talent and personality and no one's telling them what to do with it. And even though there's two completely different problems, we tend to completely still meet in the same exact spot, which is the boring spot. WWE doesn't allow their talent to do shit, so it's boring. AEW lets their talent do whatever the fuck they want, so they do everything that they ever wanted to do ever since the dawning of time, thus becoming boring. No one wants to subscribe to the less is more. You know why? Because less is more seems like doing less. And they don't feel like they're doing much if they're doing less. It goes back to that make a star thing. Well, if, if many money in the bank doesn't make him a star, what does? Doing things slowly, methodically, and with logic and patience. That's what makes a fucking star. And that's not just a wrestling thing. That's an everywhere fucking thing. The guy who started in the mailroom, who works his way up to become a CEO. That guy is relatable. Why? Because you saw him take the ride. A young, up, a fresh out of college teacher who comes into a school, doesn't know much about nothing. Working their way, meeting the people, shaking their hands, becoming a tenure vet and getting respect for it. That's how you build a star. Slow, methodical, connect the dots. Don't leave many loopholes in there. Tighten that shit up. Take these people on a fucking ride. That's how you make a fucking star. Everyone knows how. They just don't know how. Because every person is different. Every individual you would select to be a star, you got to find out the combination to that lock. Roman Reigns didn't really be honest. Roman Reigns didn't really become an astronomical, over-the-top, fucking huge draw and star for them until he came back from the COVID thing. And that was only because his booking changed. Same guy. Same guy. They just changed the way he was presented. Same character. He was talking all that head of the table, my yard now bullshit before, but no one bought into it before because it was forced and it didn't feel right. It was the fucking presentation ever since his presentation changed he got over more but like i said before no knock on roman reigns he's the top guy in the business but his star will fall because he doesn't have anyone to go against his rock his his Shawn michaels his piper his triple h the guy that he's going to work across that's going to keep him over, his Mick Foley, 
who was a god in that position. Mick Foley was never meant to be the guy. He was always the guy who was meant to work with the guy. But he embellished in that role. He loved that role. It was perfect, su- perfectly suited for him. And that's what he needs. Roman Reigns needs a guy that he can play off of in that exact way to his strengths. But he doesn't have that guy. It doesn't exist. There's no one there. Throw a name. I've seen people do it. You can do it with Seth Rollins. The bloom's off that rose. You can do it with Riddle. Riddle's not there yet. Randy could not. Randy's been there for forever. It's not going to work out. Drew, oh, they, they've already they've already beaten Drew into powder. Roman's going to have a problem with Drew. Drew couldn't get past Happy Corbin for a while. He's going to put down Drew. Cody, Cody could have done it, but Cody's hurt. Until then, that's why people say, well, he's on the Lesnar schedule now. Why? What else are you going to do with him? Less is more. Less is more. So we're heading into mid-July now, almost night, right? This is 4th of July. Next week, it'll be two weeks in. We're, we're, we're barreling through here. So um, can't wait to see what's going to happen next week between now and then. Oof. Lots of wrestling still to be had. Saw Forbidden Door, won't be watching Money in the Bank, and probably won't be watching Blood and Guts. So we'll find something else. If not wrestling-related, we'll definitely find another topic. I'll put some thought into this. We'll come up with something completely different. You guys, you, the Squad of O, have actually been very kind about the video game stuff. And, man, do I love doing those episodes. I also had an idea, because Jurassic World is out, to get back into the movie game just a little bit. So I'm I'm gonna be doing that too. So there's a couple of I got my iron and a couple of different fire shields, so we'll figure that out. So uh thank you guys for listening, thank you guys for downloading, thank you guys for sharing, and of course, duh. Thank you guys for enjoying. Uh another episode of Worsting is Uncensored Mind. We'll check you out next week, fourth of July. Please uh be safe out there and I will see you guys next week. I'm gonna go eat. Cause I'm ready. My body is ready. This is my daddy's 200th episode. If you'd like to sew, buy some mugs, t-shirts, mugs, tank tops, beats to house, phone cases, go to H-A-O-U-N.com. This is my daddy's 200th episode. This still keeps him busy, and he's not playing with me, so stop listening. But, but he's actually going to me, so I won't fight.